Welcome back, everyone, to Two Falcons, One Hour. I am Liam Tormey, alongside my co-host, Andrew Lazara. Back again for another week. It is good to be back talking sports after we went on our little hiatus. Thank you all for listening last week to us talking a little bit baseball with our New York Mets and the New York Knicks, who we, Andrew and I, both have agreed that we jinxed them already, and then talking more about the NFL, and we'll continue to do so today. I think on our agenda today, we getting into the national championship game that happened Monday night, then talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs coming up. Me and Andrew ended last week with our predictions for Super Bowl picks and those teams that we have coming up in our Super Bowl predictions were both either playing this weekend or did not play and will be playing this weekend. And then finally, we'll get into some more NBA talk. There are some James Harden rumors coming out now. Is Kyrie Irving ever going to come back to the New York Nets? But Andrew, any opening remarks for you? It's good to be back again with you talking sports. For sure. Definitely uh, glad to be back uh, consistently putting out uh, some good content here. Uh, I like the slate of stuff we got uh, to talk about today, so let's just dive right into it. All right, for sure. Well, if we get right into it, I think the first game we both want to talk about is the Alabama uh, Alabama versus Ohio State game on Monday night for the national championship. This game ended 52-24 in favor of the Alabama Crimson Tide. If there were any doubts about who the best college team this year was, Andrew, on Monday night, I think Alabama proved to everyone that they were the best team in college football and by a long shot you also have that talk all year of this Ohio State were they even worthy of making it to the college football playoffs I know Dabo Sweeney said he wasn't even they weren't even in his top 10 and then they end up beating him to get to the national championship but then Alabama just showed their power Nick Saban winning his seventh national championship the most out of any college coach in history um, but what, what were your reactions from the game, Andrew? I mean, just heading into it, I I definitely, after the semifinal games, I expected Ohio State to put up a fight. And early in the game, at least in the first quarter and the, the first half of the second quarter, it looked like Ohio State was, was hanging in with the, the big boys of Alabama. And then later on in the second quarter and the rest of the game, Alabama just took it to them. And and uh, what's his name? Devonte Smith just just had his way with the defense. He's he's so fast, and it's just ridiculous what he can do on the field. First Heisman winner since like 1991, I think, um, as a receiver. Sorry, and just Alabama just couldn't be stopped. And it's insane some of the stats you see since the college football playoff was put into place, and how Alabama has has been in it almost every year i think except for last year was the first year they missed it and it's been since like 2012 2013 or something like that so it's it's just crazy to see how alabama has been so good and so consistent for so long and it's all it's a big part because of nick saban and it's amazing what he's been able to do at alabama for as long as he's been able to do it yeah not even just at the college level I mean he obviously went to the NFL and that didn't work out and then you see that he probably did belong to be back at the college football level and just I was watching a lot of the post-game interviews and whatnot that were going around and Scott Van Pelt obviously has the 12 o'clock show on on ESPN and talked to Nick Saban afterwards and and he talks a lot with some of the great players that 
um, along the lights of Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods, just saying that Nick Saban's strive to be perfect is unlike many other people. And that's why he only names other people and athletes such as Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods, that there's just something that it doesn't bore him to keep winning year after year after year. Like you do it a couple times, right? And you would say, I- I've done my job. I'm I'm happy with where I am. But this guy continues each and every year to put out a team that is above anybody else. And even in his uh, interview with Van Pelt, he said, I-, I just, I hate losing more than I like winning. And it doesn't seem like he's going to go anywhere in the near future that this guy for a long time is going to be coaching at Alabama and will probably, if we're being realistic, end up with double-digit figures and national championships. It's the talent level and what he's able to do with the group of players that he has every single year is ridiculous. And although you may not like him for winning every single year, it's incredible of what he actually is able to do. So I just give him total props. I mean, for a guy like Mac Jones, who and not just saying that Mac Jones hasn't played great because he obviously has, but is that because of what Nick Saban has been able to do around him. I know obviously Jones has put in a tremendous amount of work, came out of high school with a bunch of different offers and visited different schools. But the fact that you have a guy like Mac Jones who didn't come into the season being a first round quarterback per se, and now people after the year he's had, he threw for 464 yards at five touchdowns in the national championship game on Monday and was incredible and now have some people saying that he could go in the first round of this year's draft. So I think it's incredible what he could do each and every year with his team, uh, Coach Saban. And I wouldn't be surprised just from the number of guys that are on that Alabama team, how many are going to go in the first round and say even the early <laughs> second round. It's going to be pretty scary to see. Um, Najee Harris showed each and every game this year that he's a real deal running back, had two touchdowns on Monday night. As you mentioned, Devontae Smith, the guy was literally unguardable. Um, on Monday, 215 yards, three touchdowns, and still had a dislocated finger and had to go out for most of the second half. Um, you have someone like Jalen Waddle, who probably shouldn't have even played, hadn't played since October 24th against Tennessee, and then was limping for mo- much of the game and projected to be one of the top wide receivers in this year's draft. But it this Alabama team was special this year, uh, without a doubt. Devontae Smith, I know you want to talk about it, but I think he could be a very, very good receiver, even for how small but lengthy he really is. Um, so that will be interesting. But for the flip side for Ohio State, they obviously didn't play great. And from the moment that they weren't able to score a touchdown against Bama to make it, it was 21-14, and they drove down and went for the short field goal to make it 21-17. After that, Alabama just took it right to them, got another touchdown, then got a stop, and then scored again, and by halftime, they were already up 35-17, and that game was just basically over at that point. I thought for the majority of the game, Ohio State could not tackle for the life of them, and it seems to happen a lot throughout college football, especially when you're playing a team like Alabama, but they couldn't tackle, and after having a bit of hope that this was going to be an interesting game down to the wire, it just didn't end up being like that. Yeah, I mean, just to touch on a couple of points you brought up, First, the the thing you said about Mac Jones possibly raising his draft stock. A lot of people are comparing it to 
what Joe Burrow did last year. And after having the historic season he had, how he raised his draft stock tremendously. I mean, I don't think Mac Jones is going to go number one overall or anything, but no. it's crazy to see how, how one great season can really impact your uh, your future, especially uh, in your senior season uh, like Mac Jones had. And then another thing kind of made me feel old was Najee Harris. I remember being on Bleacher Report and seeing his high school highlights go viral. And now <laughs> he's, he's putting up these crazy numbers for Alabama, and soon he's going to be doing it in the NFL. So it's just crazy to to see that uh, progress the way it has. And then just one thing about Ohio State, I think if uh, if their upset win against uh, Clemson did anything, it was help raise a couple guys' stock in the draft. I think Justin Fields definitely, just in that first game against Clemson alone, uh, showed some more of his doubters that he's uh, better than they think at least. And um, – I think losing Trey Sermon early on in this game really hurt them. Oh uh, yeah. But I think even if they had him, I don't think he's I don't think he's the difference maker in the game. I definitely think Alabama was just too much for for anybody this year. So again, that's props to Nick Saban. But and then the Devontae Smith uh, conversation. I was talking to one of my friends about it during the game and I said to him, "Speed kills. If if you're fast and they can't catch you, then it doesn't matter how big or small you are. Like <laughs> they're not going to be able to catch you, so it doesn't matter how big you are." But I definitely think a guy like Devontae Smith with his footwork, with his uh speed, with his uh dedication to the game and his want to be great, he's definitely going to have a future in the NFL and it could be a great one at that. Well, for sure and what is he only six one? I think about one seventy five, and you have guys now. I'm just looking at mock draft because this is going to be the next level for him. That some people, I mean, it's Stephen A. Smith and Stephen A. Smith has to be with the popularity he has, saying some bold takes on first take, as any sports show like that does. But saying that the Jets should take him at number two, and people are going to probably have him. As high as that, or is he worthy of going there? Yeah, probably. Being a Heisman winner and having the year he had was absolutely incredible. So it's going to be really interesting to see where that ends up going. Does Justin Field drop a little bit because of the game he played? I, As you mentioned, I don't think that's very worthy. If if the Jets think that he's the right man to for them, then I say pull the trigger on it. Um, if not, then you don't. But it's going to be... Also really interesting to see just where these wide receivers in this draft class end up going. So say Devontae Smith, maybe he goes to Miami and, and Tua, even though this morning we had reports coming out of Tua not players not thinking Tua was the, the guy for the future. So do they go a different route? Um, then you have guys like Jamar Chase from LSU who opted out this season, and then you have Waddle. Um, so there's there's a lot of, of really top-end wide receivers that could be really, really good this upcoming year in this draft. So I'm really excited to see what happens. I think Alabama proved Monday night they were the best team in college football all year long, proved everyone who, who thought differently wrong. And, and it's going to be interesting to see. And Alabama next year, Nick Saban will have them ready to do whatever the heck he, he needs them to be to be a, another national um, contender for the championship. Yeah, just one final thing, if you want to start wrapping this up. I yeah. saw um, a lot of rumors about the Dolphins, like you said, going with Devontae Smith at three. And I think 
the Dolphins have a lot of question marks going into next year with Tua, like you said, and uh, a lot of the rumors with Deshaun Watson and and all those other uh, situations going on down there in Miami. But um, I think wherever he goes, he's going to be a great player for them. So uh, I I totally agree. When you're a Heisman winner at that young and the and the year he had, I don't think there's any doubt that unless injuries um, do him wrong, that he he should be fantastic. Um, anyways, if, if we want to move along, I think we'll go into the National Football League in this past week's wild card or the super wild card weekend, as I think we called it last week. Um, but first game on the agenda, the first game on Saturday was the Indianapolis Colts going up to Buffalo to play the Buffalo Bills. The first time all year the Bills had fans at this at their game. You know, Bills Mafia going out and representing. I believe there's about 6,700 uh, fans there in Buffalo. So, and that ended up working out for them. Ended up catching a victory, 27-24. Andrew, what were your reactions to that first game of, of the week? I thought it was a, a great way to kick off the weekend. It was definitely a, a better game than I expected it to be. Um, I thought Josh Allen just continued to show everyone why he's been, uh, why he took that, or how he took that next step this year, and I think him and Stephon Diggs just have an unmatched connection, which is crazy to think about considering this is just year one. And um, I think the the Colts showed a lot of fight. I think uh, a couple questionable coaching decisions by them could have cost them this upset win. But um, I thought when they went for that uh, fourth and goal, I believe it was. He yep. Rivers Rivers just needed to to put that one on Pittman, and it was it was actually really close to being a touchdown, but close but no cigar. You don't get nothing in the NFL for that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Bills definitely closer than I expected it to be. I expected them to cover the six and a half, but the Colts definitely made it interesting. And uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, I I thought at first that Buffalo came out a, a little weaker than I, than I thought they would come out. I think that also has to do a lot with just being the first playoff game for them at home in a very, very long time. And their first playoff win in a quarter century too. So, But just the start, I thought they were a little shaky. Didn't get off, I bet, the way that they wanted to. But then once they started to get, get the feel for everything, then it got – a lot better. I thought Indianapolis should have been up more than than they were. Even at halftime, they were down 14-10, but they obviously could have been winning. I thought particularly, you mentioned the fourth and goal in the beginning of the game. And I texted my friend and I said to him, I said, I would just take the points here. You're playing in Buffalo. I think you have a solid defense. And then, but I also said at the same time, you, I, I make the argument yet you have a solid defense, so then you should go for it because you trust in your defense. But I just thought in a playoff game like that, it was fourth and I think four or something. It wasn't even necessarily like fourth and on the half yard line. And then they go for it on the on the throwing play. But I just thought you take the points. I think they would have been up. I think it would have been 13-10 or 13-7 at that point. Then Buffalo comes down the field later and, and – goes up at halftime but 
Indianapolis had their chances even in the late part of the game. There was that one uh, throw on the late drive by the Colts to tie the game up that ended up, I think, being ruled a completed catch that everyone thought was, I believe, an incomplete pass that the referees ended up somehow. Or it, I think it could have been a fumble, and, and they didn't end up saying that he, he made a football player or whatnot. So it was just – I thought also just in general over this weekend that the referees made some really strange calls that mm. a lot of Twitter just kind of went crazy about, and I, I agreed with. It was just – there were some fumble plays or there were some completed catches. Um, what It was a bunch of different stuff that the referees just seemed to go the complete opposite of what everyone thought was the right decision. Um, but then I also said how the Colts should have went for the points because then if, if it was 27, if they kicked the field goal, it would have been 27 up and they would have been driving to win the game um, at the end. But obviously that doesn't work out and the rest of the game plan was obviously different. I think Buffalo, it's great for them. They're going to have to host a Baltimore team that I said is very hot right now. And I believe Baltimore, I well, we haven't got into it yet, but I think they'll end up beating Buffalo this coming mm-hmm. weekend. And it's going to be a really great matchup between two dual-threat quarterbacks who, who have a great opportunity to, to try to prove themselves in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I just – uh, I agree with you on the fact that Buffalo definitely came out a little slow, but once they found their rhythm, it just seemed like they were playing backyard football again, like it always seems with Josh Allen at yeah. least this year. And I thought, like I said last week, I thought the only way the Colts really win is if their defense plays well, and their defense definitely kept them in this one. But uh, the I forget how late it was, but the one – uh, offsides penalty definitely hurt them. Mm, yeah. When Josh Allen got him off on the hard count. Yep. So it's stuff like that that you can't you can't do, especially in the playoffs, if you want to win games. So I definitely thought that hurt them as well. But it was definitely a good way to start off the weekend. Yeah, I just to finish this game up, I said it last week that I thought this Colts team could have been even better if they didn't have a quarterback like Phillip Rivers and if that was the end for Philip Rivers, it's just his career is basically signified by the fact that he couldn't show up or lost some of the big games by the closest margins possible. I think it happened all the time, and it happened once again today. They had their chance, couldn't get into into field goal range at the, the very last seconds of the game. Rivers couldn't even... Um, throw a Hail Mary, couldn't even get it into the end zone <laughs> for a Hail Mary on that last play. And I think it just kind of summarized everything about the career for Phillip Rivers. So we'll see what happens this offseason if he does decide to retire or, or come back. But I just thought after kind of bashing him last week that my point was 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 right of what happened this week. But anyways, going into the afternoon game on Saturday, we had the Los Angeles Rams going into Seattle to play Russell Wilson and company. You had L.A. starting a quarterback in Wolford who got to play a couple of snaps until Jamal Adams put a shoulder into him, caused a neck injury, and he had to go to the hospital. And then you bring in Jared Goff, who wasn't even technically supposed to play today because or that on Saturday because of his thumb. 
he comes in and played a lot better than I thought. They said when he had the surgery that this was the same type of injury that kept Drew Brees out for a couple of weeks. And I thought, okay, no shot. These guys are going to be able to do anything. And I was I was proven wrong. They put up 30 points, and obviously Russell Wilson had a pick six in that game in in the second quarter. But I thought Jared Goff for he only threw 19 times, but there were a couple of those throws that I thought looked pretty good for a guy that has a significant thumb injury on his throwing hand. Cam Akers I thought was was amazing. Had 28 rushes for 131 yards and didn't seem like Seattle could could stop him on some of his huge plays that he had. Um so yeah, for and the other side of the ball for LA, their defense is, is who we all thought they were going to be. Hopefully, you know Aaron Donald is okay. I know uh McVeigh said yesterday in a press conference that the Terminator will be all right. So yeah, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. So for a Green Bay fan like you, that's exactly what you want to hear. Um Cooper Cup, I know, ended up getting injured on one of the last plays of the game, but they say he'll be all right. And for Seattle, I, w- I was super disappointed by what I saw from them. Russell Wilson getting sacked five times at offensive line. I think we mentioned last week in our preview of the game that just not their offensive line has not been good enough. Chris Carson couldn't get much going, only had 77 yards the whole game. Russell Wilson ran for 50 yards, but I still thought watching the game and watching it with a couple of people that I thought he just didn't look that comfortable in the pocket. And even when he tried to scramble, he just wasn't as as comfortable and confident as he usually is, getting away from, from pressure and recognizing what's happening. So I thought that was really strange, maybe something that we don't know about or, or what happened with Russell previously. He was only 11 for 27 all day. He had that one great throw and play with with DK. DK was getting frustrated as he has <laughs> um, recently, and Seattle defense wasn't as as great as they they said they were going to be. And LA came in not being the favorites, but still believed in themselves. And I know Donald the week before said that's exactly who we want to play. And they came in and they they got the job done and move on to the next round. And there's not much else. You want you don't have to be perfect, but they move on, get healthy, and and have to go play Green Bay now. Yeah, for sure, a win's a win, and um, yeah, just from the Rams side of the ball, like you said, Jared Goff wasn't even expected to come into this game and to come in and and do what he did. Not that he was super impressive, but he did what he had to do to get the job done. And I think a lot of this Rams offense, especially was this Jared Goff's third third year, I think. Uh, or fourth yeah. maybe even I don't know but it's I feel like the Rams offense is a lot of rhythm plays a lot of play action you you do the play fake and then the guys like Robert Woods or Cooper Cup are yep. just waiting there so I feel like Jared Goff it could be almost muscle memory at this point uh, not to discount anything that he did but I definitely think it just uh, it comes more naturally to him for the amount of time he's been doing it for so even with the thumb injury he was able to get uh, a lot of those throws off and accurate um, like you said, Cam Akers, amazing. Uh, especially, I'm pretty sure he was a rookie, right? Cam Akers, I, I believe so, yeah. yes. Yeah, for a rookie to do something like that, even even this late in the season, is still pretty impressive. And um, like you said, Cooper Cup, hopefully he's good to go next week. Uh, and then from the Seahawks' uh, point of view, Russell Wilson, like you said, 
just didn't look comfortable at all. I think if you watched the Week 17 game against the 49ers, you could have seen this coming a lot more than you would have expected to. But even even someone like me who watched that game Week 17, I still thought, oh, it's the playoffs. Russell Wilson's going to come to play. Yep. He's going to be ready to go. And it just, just didn't happen. And it was really surprising to see. And that's why I, I took the Seahawks just – just relying on Russell Wilson at this point because I feel like he's the guy that I would want to to be at my quarterback. Uh, if I was the Seahawks, like I would be very confident going forward. And it turned out that he he throws the pick six, which really isn't his fault. That was just a great play by the defender. And then moving forward, the offensive line, like you said, was was brutal this week. I mean, you can't give it, you can't blame it all on them because the. The Rams D line is is a force yeah. to be reckoned with. So that that's also what I said last week. I said if if the Rams wanted any shot at winning, their defense had to really play good and possibly score. And they did both of those things and they ended up coming out on top. So we'll see how they they uh, do next week against uh, my pack. Um, hopefully not too well, but we'll talk about that one in a little. Yeah, so just to clarify, Cam Akers second round draft pick last year um, by the uh, but this year, so he is a rookie, only 21 years old, which is crazy because look at us. <laughs> we're not much younger than he is, and he's doing his thing in the NFL. Um, just for injury updates, I know yesterday um, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and Wolford did not participate, but golf apparently did. So we'll see what happens this upcoming week. I would assume they go with golf still, but – who knows what that situation is going to actually be like, but it'll be interesting to see what eventually does. So I guess, Andrew, if we want to move into the last game of Saturday, that would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Washington to play Heineke and the Washington football team. Andrew, what were your first, uh, remarks from that from that game on Saturday night Taylor Heineken Heineke this guy <laughs> this guy I mean I remember seeing him play the the one week in Carolina a couple years back when Cam Newton was out I think yeah, yeah and and he didn't look terrible but he he didn't really impress that much either and then he comes into the game this week uh, barely even ready to go I mean what was it, like halfway through the week he found out that he was going to start and Alex Smith wasn't playing. And then he comes into this game and he did everything in his power to will them to victory. I mean, you, you got to respect the guy for everything he did out there on the field. He definitely left it all out there. And uh, especially the way he dove for the pylon on that yes. one touchdown run really sold out and went Superman on that one. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was definitely impressed by the whole Washington football team and I thought their defense was was good and they'd be ready to play, but I did not expect that out of their offense, especially going against this this Bucks defense that has been pretty good over the whole over the length of the season. And just finding guys like Cam Sims, Logan Thomas, like guys you don't really hear about all year. Terry McLaurin gets all the the love for the receivers there, but I definitely thought that they a lot of the guys showed out more than expected and if they wanted a chance they needed guys like that to step up that don't normally have big games and then from the Tampa Bay side of the ball I think 
uh, Brady just ended up being too much for them. I mean, he threw for 381, two touchdowns. He did get sacked a couple times, which I expected, but he didn't get sacked by Chase Young, which I was rooting for the whole game. <laughs> um, uh, Ronald Jones, they find out he's out, like, literally pregame warm-ups. He gets yeah. hurt, and he's out for the game. Leonard Fournette steps up, 93 yards, a touchdown. I mean, the the depth on this team is crazy, and I definitely think all those free agent signings they had, like Antonio Brown, like Gronk, like Fournette earlier on in the year, just guys like that definitely are helping them out at this point in the season, considering that injuries happen and you want as much depth as possible in the NFL. So I thought that uh, a lot of the guys that they signed came out good. And Mike Evans, week 17, it looks like he, he tears his ACL and then he comes <laughs> back this week and he gets six catches for 119 yards. So, I mean, I'm glad that he was okay and um, he's still balling out, but they're – their team looked uh, pretty solid. I definitely thought it wouldn't be this close, but again, Taylor Heineke over there uh, came up clutch for them. Not enough, though. So uh, what were your thoughts on this one? I thought it was awesome, even just during the game, being on Twitter and after some of the plays Heineke made and <laughs> just Twitter erupting and saying how Heineke should be in the Hall of Fame right now and all of this different stuff that was really pretty funny. Uh, and the fact that he only appeared in eight games and started one the NFL before Saturday was ridiculous. And then he comes in and he and he plays like that. He has 306 yards as a touchdown. He ran the ball uh, pretty dang well for 46 yards and obviously had that diving play, which was amazing. And then you have basically his entire team just celebrating with him, which was awesome. I was rooting for Washington to win this game. As you mentioned, I think Tampa Bay was just too good. I think, does it show that Tampa Bay maybe is a little vulnerable? I think, yes. And I think a lot of people have been saying that all year, all season. But I think next week, having to go play New Orleans, who they've already lost to twice, having to beat Tom Brady three times is, I know you wouldn't like to say it, Andrew, but it is a, a tough thing to do and even in the playoffs. So I think that'll be super interesting. I think Antonio Brown now has a touchdown catch in four consecutive uh, games going back to the the regular season. So getting him heated up and and more comfortable in this offense has obviously proven itself. So we'll see even next week what will happen in the game. Uh, As you said, Chase Young not being able to get to Tom Brady was a little unfortunate. I know he ended up coming up injured late in the game and didn't get to play a lot but Washington played well and I think this Washington team if they can build some pieces in that offense that they're going to be a team that can play very very well in the next couple of seasons I really like Ron Rivera as a coach and I was even just saying to someone last week with the Deshaun Watson rumor trades that imagine a team that like Washington if they could trade for someone like Deshaun Watson, how could good could they be in the next couple of years? I see them probably winning the NFC East for the next couple of years if that ends up being the case. I, I doubt it will be, but if they decide to go that route, it would be really, really interesting. And, yeah, so I think there's a lot of promise for Washington next couple of seasons for the Buccaneers. If they can get Ronald Jones healthy this coming week and and keep that offense rolling and and being motivated and i think they'll be super motivated 
going to play New Orleans for the third time this season, having lost the previous two. That New Orleans defense, as we'll probably talk about in just a little bit, I they're they're for real, and I think they they like the challenge ahead of them, and and we'll see what happens. Tom Brady is not going to go down without a fight, and if you could have Mike Evans have another 120 yard game and keep guys like Brayton Antonio Brown in it. Chris Godwin had 12 targets and only five receptions. He dropped a lot of passes, I thought, on on Saturday night. But if they can get him going again and Fournette, if he played like he did, get Ronald Jones back, then I think it'll be really, really interesting game uh, this upcoming week against the Saints. Yeah, and I thought it was just funny how the announcers mentioned how Brady had thought Godwin had some of the best hands he's ever played with, and then he proceeded to drop like three or four passes. Yeah, in that yeah. But he still had five catches, 79 yards, and a touch. So it was a pretty good day for him and yeah. pretty good day for the Bucks overall. But uh, if you want to wrap up that game and move on to the the Sunday games, uh, this, the first one was uh, Ravens-Titans, which ended up to be a, a really good game. And uh, Ryan Tannehill, Lamar Jackson, Derrick Henry, some big names in this one. Uh I think the most impressive storyline for me was uh, Lamar Jackson getting his first playoff win. You know, a lot of people were coming at him as his uh, biggest flaw was never winning the playoffs, even though it's it's literally his third season in the NFL. And his first season, he didn't even start. So coming at a guy for losing one game last year against uh, a really good Titans team who couldn't stop Derrick Henry for the life of them, you can't really blame Lamar Jackson for that. But I definitely think uh, early on in this game, uh, Baltimore's offense definitely was struggling to figure stuff out. But uh, once that Lamar Jackson run broke uh, open, I think he just felt a lot more comfortable overall in the game. And he was able to to like calm his nerves, I guess, and just ball out like he normally does. And uh, even though he threw that pick early on, but like I said, they were, I think they were still figuring stuff out. And... It was really uh, impressive to see Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson get on the the same wavelength for once because they, they've had one or two good games later on in the season. But I think Hollywood Brown is, is a real weapon. And if they can start to use him consistently and get some big plays down the field with him, then they really do have a shot to beat the Bills this weekend. But we could talk about that later. And I thought the other... The big storyline for the defense, at least for Baltimore, was just shutting down Derrick Henry. I mean, we saw all year Derrick Henry just bully defenses left and right. And to be able to stop him the way they did, 18 carries for 40 yards, a 2.2 average. I mean, I don't know the last time Derrick Henry saw a 2.2 average in a game, if ever. And just overall, I think Baltimore's defense, especially with the game ceiling pick and Marcus Peters just going off on the logo, that was that was exciting to watch, and I definitely thought that it was a very entertaining game and one that Baltimore uh, won't forget about for a little while at least. Just going straight off your point about Derrick Henry, that 2.2 average on Sunday was the lowest he's had all season, and his longest carry of the game was only for eight yards. That was also his shortest and lowest of the season. So the Baltimore defense did an absolutely outstanding job this weekend of, of stopping him. And if they let him go any more than, than what happened, then I think Tennessee probably would have won this game. But 
they didn't, and the Ravens' defense showed that they're ready to play and that next week they're going to be prepared as ever to go up and, and play Buffalo and play Josh Allen, and I bet they're excited for that opportunity. I know you and everyone saw how after Marcus Peters had his interception and the Ravens' defense and even some players off the bench come out on the field and start stomping on the Tennessee Titans logo in the middle of the field just like Tennessee did to Baltimore, and I believe it was week 11 of this year, and Harbaugh and Vrabel got into a bit of an argument before the game. So the Ravens get their revenge, and revenge is sweet, and I think they were super happy with with getting that victory against Tennessee. I hope in the next coming years with, with these two teams that will probably still be very good that this rivalry, rivalry is, is one to watch out for. Going to Lamar Jackson, at first I was a little worried at the start of the game and just saying, uh-oh, is this going to pressure moment going to get to him once again? But after that interception, which was an awful interception, if, <laughs> if we have to admit, it was really mm-hmm. bad. He seemed to settle down and just play a lot better, get into his own game. He rushes for 136 yards. He has that 48-yard rushing touchdown, which was pretty spectacular. And after that, he just got in his rhythm. Defense played the way they needed to, and then Baltimore went to work. They went to halftime at 10-10, but it just felt like Baltimore was going to be able to be the better team the rest of the way. And that's what they did. Vrabel probably, and he did after the game and and in the past couple of days, got some heat from not going for it on fourth and two, I think, on the Baltimore 40-yard line late in the game. And when you do that, he ended up punting it away. And when you have a guy like Derrick Henry, he's probably – I know you're – he's getting shut down a little bit by – or not a little bit. He was getting shut down by – Ravens defense all day, but you trust in a guy that has 2,000 yards all year to get on a fourth and two for you. And even if not, do a little play action and and roll out with Tannehill and let him go and get the two yards because they're expecting um, the, they're expecting Henry to get that ball. So I, I thought he, he mismanaged there, and not a lot of times has he mismanaged, especially last year. He was great at managing the game. And it's a mistake, and they'll learn from it. I think he was obviously disappointed in that. But that's that's the way she goes. Uh, this Tennessee team, I still think, are, are going to be good. We have these up-and-coming receivers, such as um, A.J. Brown and um, and Corey Davis. Corey Davis, I know, got hurt, I'm pretty sure, uh, during the game. He was yeah. out at, at the end. And uh, Tennessee is going to be good, but for – Baltimore, um, I'm excited to see what happens with them. As I mentioned, uh, going over the Bills game, I think the Ravens are going to go into Baltimore, uh, into B- Buffalo and win this weekend. But I think that's going to be a really, really entertaining game. And J.K. Dobbins, I think if it isn't Lamar, J.K. Dobbins is going to have a big uh, rushing game, and they're going to they're going to need him too. And just as you said, with Marquise Brown, he he was quiet in the beginning of the season, but has started to pick it up just at the right time. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a uh, symbolic of the Ravens season as a whole. Yeah, how they uh, they started off slow and now they're they're hitting the perfect stride at the perfect time. I mean, if you want to go on to this next one, it was, the Nickelodeon uh, game. It's a bit of a snoozer, but Nick kept us awake on the on our feet. You know. Yep. Um. I mean, it was 
it was definitely a, a good broadcast from the Nickelodeon team. <laughs> I didn't get to catch the the whole thing, but I did see the highlights from the Nick channel, and uh, it definitely seemed like it, it's not the first of it's not going to be the last of uh, Nickelodeon NFL broadcast because I know there were a lot of people that were fans of it. Yeah, but um, to dive into the game, I think Chicago's defense definitely kept them in this one at least early on. But I also think that the first two and a half quarters, the Saints offense was very lackluster in my opinion. I, I definitely expected the Saints to to put up uh, at least more points than they did on this Chicago Bears team. I know their defense has been one of the better units the last couple of years, but I didn't think they were as good this year. And I thought when you have the big three back for the Saints in Breeze, Kamara, and Thomas, I thought that they would definitely have more uh, more uh, ease moving the ball and didn't seem like that, at least early on. Uh, they figured it out in time to be able to win the game, but I definitely didn't think that they were too impressive for, for my liking, at least. If I'm a Saints fan, I'm I'm not that confident in our offense going into next week, especially against the Bucks defense that – uh, I mean, they've played well against them the past two uh, games this year, but anytime you're playing a team for a third time in the same season, it's it's got to scare you. I mean, we saw what the Rams did with the Seahawks in their third meeting of the year. So uh, we'll see what happens this week with that game. But from the Bears' perspective, I think I didn't really think they were deserving of making it to the playoffs in the first place. I mean, they started off 5-1, and one, and then they, they went on a six-game losing streak, I think it was or a seven game losing streak. And then they won the last three to get in at eight and eight. I mean, uh, it just didn't seem like they had a shot at all. I mean, Jimmy Graham goes out on top with the, the one handed touchdown grab to, to ruin some people's teasers later on in the game. But <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't think I thought at least at halftime, I thought Chicago might've had a chance if, if uh, Trubisky and their offense were able to move the ball at all. But I mean, just just that one trick play when Javon Wims just lets the ball go right through his hands. Yep. If you do stuff like that in a playoff game that you're not even supposed to be in, you you, <laughs> you got no shot at that point. Like, no, just just being honest. Like, yeah. if you if you want any shot at upsetting a team like the Saints in the the two versus seven game, it's you got to make plays like that, and especially that it worked. I was surprised, and then to see it just go right through his hands like that was just. Their, all their hope probably went out the window at that point, even though it was pretty early on. But I definitely thought that uh, neither of these teams looked like they were ready to play. Uh, I mean, that should definitely be concerning for Saints fans, but that was really my thoughts on this one. What about you? I agree with you, and I think next weekend, I think Tampa Bay has a very good chance of going into New Orleans and winning. I was, as you mentioned, a little worried about their offense, and I know – Alvin Kamara apparently didn't practice last week. It was only over online, like Zoom meetings, basically, that he was able to be a part with the team and had to stay ready basically on his own because of the COVID protocols and whatnot. So he was kind of out of it, and most of the other running backs were as well. But as we mentioned with the trio of Breeze, Kamara, and Michael Thomas finally being back together, it Obviously, they would prefer a couple games to get their their bearings and and be back with each other. But especially for Brees himself, 
but that's not the case. And now they're going to have to go up and play another or play host another great defense in Tampa Bay. That's going to be coming for them and is going to want revenge as, as bad as possible. So I agree with you that I think if the New Orleans offense doesn't step up, which we have said the opposite for years, that it's always the New Orleans defense that needs to step up more than the mm-hmm. offense does because Breeze was always doing his thing and was scoring all the time. But this year it's it's kind of the opposite. And if the offense can't get going, then most of the time that the defense, as good as they are, aren't going to be able to, to hold their own, especially if against if it is against Tom Brady. So I'm excited to see what happens this weekend. I wasn't at all really worried for the for the Saints in losing this game because from the moment that the Bears kind of came out, their offense just could not get moving whatsoever. I'm pretty sure they didn't have a third down conversion. Or they were one for 10 and third down conversions during this game while the Saints were 11 for 17. When you're they, – I know late in the game they were 0 for 8, so they obviously got that one third down conversion very late in the game. But – when that happens, as you mentioned, for a team that barely should be in the playoffs, you can't be doing stuff like that. You can't be dropping wide open passes in the end zone. And it, there was just never a chance that I thought Trubisky could lead them down the field and they looked any good. So the Saints did what they have to do. It's a win in the playoffs. It's it's what you have to do. But next week, they're going to have to step it up a couple notches because if they don't, then, then they're going to be getting an exit in which they don't want to have happen. And for the Bears... I know just yesterday they uh, came out and said that the Bears will end up having Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace come back. Chuck Pagano, their defensive coordinator, ended up retiring the other day. So not much change in management in Chicago. I know they're talking about changes at the quarterback situation, but they don't know exactly what's going to happen yet. So it'll be interesting for the Bears. Their defense, obviously, as you said, is as good as it probably can be. But we'll see what can happen with that offense and if they can get their quarterback situation figured out. Yeah, and just uh, one more point before we move on to the last game of the weekend. Uh, Just shout out to Mitch Trubisky for the first ever MVP, (laughs) the Nickelodeon Valuable Player Award. Uh, They said they uh, the Nick team said they tried to track him down after the game to give him the award, but he was ready in the locker room at that point. So uh, (laughs) that's unfortunate, but uh, hopefully they can send it out to him as quick as Jimmy uh, Graham was after his touchdown, you know? Yeah, honestly, hopefully they can send that out to him and he can uh, hang that right in the office. Because he probably won't have much else hardware. Wow. Well, uh, we'll end on that note and move into the night game, which uh, definitely got off to a quick start, to say the least, uh, in the Browns-Pittsburgh Steelers game. Um, So first snap, I'm watching the game. And if if you saw the Seattle Seahawks-Denver Broncos Super Bowl, it probably brought back some (laughs) memories. Oh, yeah. But – it reminded me of that exactly. The snap going over Roethlisberger's head. I thought it was going to be a safety. I thought it would start exactly the same. But no, James Conner can't even dive on a ball. So Or Big uh, Ben. Cleveland Browns. Or Big Ben, yeah. But I, I, I give Big Ben a little more slack. Uh, it would take him five yeah, years. The, <laughs> exactly. And then the Browns recover that. They get up 7-0, not even 15 seconds into the game, I think. And then it was it was just all downhill from there. I mean, Pittsburgh definitely put up a fight. I mean, Big Ben ended up throwing the ball 68 times. I remember I was sitting on the couch, and I was still watching the game like early second quarter, 
And I said to my dad, if if the Pittsburgh Steelers want any shot at winning this game, Big Ben's going to have to throw like 500 yards and over 60 times. And I think they'll be totally okay with that because they have no run game. And both of those things ended up happening and they still <laughs> lost. So it's just crazy to think about. But I, I did hold faith out on the Steelers. I don't know why everyone thought I was crazy, but I, I kept thinking that they, for some reason, were going to be able to come back just because the the weapons they have and the style of offense they have. But it didn't come to fruition. And congrats to the Browns for their first playoff win since like 1992 or something, I think it was. Um, Yeah, their, their team just came ready. They Their offense couldn't be stopped in the first quarter, especially. Um, every time, I mean, they kept getting great field position with the turnovers from the Steelers. So they got to thank their defense for that. But their offense kept putting up touchdowns instead of settling for field goals, which is what you have to do, especially come playoff time. Uh, I think Baker played amazing. 263, three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, that duo is is amazing, at least uh, early on. And just have two guys like that that are that talented in the backfield is it's a scary uh, threat, but I think uh, going next week into into Kansas City, after seeing what the the Steelers uh, receivers were able to do to the Cleveland secondary, at least in the second half, uh, I wouldn't feel too confident as a Browns fan, just knowing that you're going against Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, uh, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, that whole group of guys that's been so good for the last couple of years and a quarterback that can run the ball exactly which makes things even worse um but yeah i think from that standpoint they they had a good run but i think uh the kings of the chiefs will uh, be able to dethrone they won't be able to dethrone the chiefs from their spot at the top of the league right now but from pittsburgh's standpoint you got a lot of questions moving forward uh, is Big Ben coming back? I know, I think Marquise Pouncey said he's calling it a career. Um, their run game is is non-existent. Their O-line the second half of the year was struggling. Um, there comes a, a Juju Smith-Schuster is a free agent, I think. Uh, there's just a lot of questions. And people are thinking about a possible rebuild happening in Pittsburgh, which is crazy to think about. Because ever since I've been alive, at least, they've been a staple in the playoffs almost every year. Um, Big Ben has been the guy there for so long. I know he said he's willing to come back if they'll have him, which kind of puts a lot of pressure on the organization. But there's just a lot of question marks with Pittsburgh going forward. Uh, What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, the start of the game, I know you and I were texting, and I was one of those people that said there's no chance – that the Steelers were coming back in this game. And obviously they did put up a little bit of a fight, but just from the first quarter, you have that first play of the game. Then Big Ben has a couple of picks, some going off of receivers' hands and tip passes and and whatnot. But the Browns came out and their defense was ready to play. It was actually insane what was happening. And for a team that had not been able to practice all week. Their head coach wasn't with them. Their offensive line coach wasn't with them. Their special teams coach was their head coach. And they end up pulling out their first victory in over 20 years, which is insane. And for Cleveland fans, I know they were obviously probably still panicking the entire game, even being up 28 nothing, And then Steelers put up 
some points after that, and we're getting a couple of opportunities, and they're probably going crazy. They end up putting up 13 points in the third quarter, and the Browns hadn't put up anything yet, so it got a it got a little dicey. I know probably for a, for all of Cleveland fans, but they end up pulling this one out. And as you mentioned, I was super impressed with just the way Kareem Hunt and and Nick Chubb are able to just go back and forth with each other and be two explosive guys. Nick Chubb is one of the hardest guys to tackle it seems like right now in this league the the just some of the runs he has is um breaking tackles and whatnot is pretty incredible and i think it's something to be mentioned so it'll be interesting against kansas city defense that isn't the greatest but can still put up their own fight as they had last year and still the same this year it'll be interesting to see how they're able to contain the likes of nick chubb and kareem hunt who were both really really good on sunday night Baker Mayfield did what he had to do, had three touchdowns, only 263 yards, but it did what he needed to do. For the Steelers, it actually is incredible how Big Ben threw for six, 68 times for 501 yards. And then you have those four touchdowns and also four interceptions. The problem all year, and we mentioned it in our preview of the game, that their uh, rushing game was one of the worst in the NFL all season. I think it is the worst, was the worst in the NFL all season for yards yards per, per carry. So it's it's not surprising. Um, I will just say just even after the game, like Juju talking about the Browns, saying, oh, the Browns will be the Browns and blah, blah, blah. And then Chase Claypool comes out the other day and, and says, oh, they're still going to get smoked next week. Like, bro, shut up. Like, it, <laughs> you lost, dude. Like, just get over it already. I know you're a rookie and, and you're going to need to learn some things, but just be quiet. Just go on vacation and, and do your thing. Like, why are you still having to, to do all this stuff? I don't know. That stuff just annoys me. Like, you lost. You, you really can't talk anymore. Like, you're going to be mm-hmm. going and playing golf and – while the Browns are preparing for their next playoff game. So uh, that that type of stuff just just makes me a little bit annoyed. But they got what they deserve. And we saw from after being, what were they, 10-0, 11-0, and they were awful the next couple of games of the season. And we all probably knew that this um, type of performance was going to happen from them. And I know we probably thought that the Steelers would end up pulling out this game, but they didn't, and they they were who exactly who we thought the Steelers were in, at the end of the season. So, it is what it is with them. Yeah, definitely. I think if you want to look forward to this week's matchups, uh, the first one we got here the the four thirty five game on Saturday will be the L A Rams at the Green Bay Packers. I'm pretty sure it's uh. It's forecasted to be around low twenties, early uh, high teens. So uh, I'm pretty sure I read some stats. Of Jared Goff, his uh, he's zero and two, I think, in those uh, games below freezing, and he's had uh, zero touchdowns and five interceptions. So hearing that as a Packers fan, I like the sound of that. Uh, hearing that as a Rams fan, you don't you don't like to hear that. Um, I definitely think Aaron Rodgers is in a great state of mind right now. I definitely like them winning this game. I think, uh, like I said last week, I think if the Rams have any shot, it's because of their defense and it's because of guys like Aaron Donald. Uh, I really hope he's healthy because I want to. I want a good game again, uh, with both teams at full strength. But um, uh, we'll see what happens. But I think, uh, aside from being a Packers fan, I think all year Green Bay's offense has just been so dominant. And I don't think that I, – I think they've made 
good defenses like like the Colts defense, the Bears defense multiple times. I think they've just made good defenses look silly throughout this year. So I definitely think uh, they'll pull this one out and cover the six and a half. But uh, those are my thoughts. What did you think on this one? Yeah, I'm the line right now is at six and a half. I think Green Bay will end up even covering that. I think with the offense, not for LA, not knowing exactly what is going to be put out there on Saturday afternoon. It's, it's a little worrying. Their defense will be able to probably keep them in this game a little bit, but I think, as you just mentioned, with the way Green Bay has played other teams in the past couple um, games this season against good, solid defenses, and I think Aaron Rodgers is really motivated this year for for just the year that he's had and with the doubters that have been placed against him from the media and even from his own organization drafting quarterbacks that he puts up this type of season and has done exactly what he's needed to do. And I just think there's a fire under him right now. And I don't see them losing this game at home. I think it's supposed to be 34 degrees and maybe a little bit of, of snow they're saying for this game on Saturday, but and that's perfect for the, for green Bay. Yeah. And I think their, their defense is going to probably be the, key factor in how far in the playoffs they're able to go this year and I'm, I'm really interested to see what what they end up doing this weekend because I think they can get a lot of confidence out of this game if the offense of LA isn't up to par so I'm, I'm excited to to see Aaron go to work for the first game of the playoffs this uh, weekend I see Green Bay coming out of this one Pretty easily. Um, I think they'll maybe we'll get off to a slow start, but if they don't, then I think this will be a long day um, for the Rams. Yeah, I mean, moving right along here, the night game on Saturday will be the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens at the Buffalo Bills. And I know you have already voiced your thoughts on this one, but I think at the end of the day, this game is going to come down to quarterback play. I think, I think both defenses are even. I think I don't think one is better than the other per se. So I think at the end of the day, it's not going to be the defenses that win the game for this team. I think it's going to be uh, whether Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson plays better in this one. I think the winner of that duel, I guess you would say, I think they come out on top. But I, I do think Buffalo will win this game. So I'm putting my faith in Josh Allen and the Mafia. Uh, I know your thoughts, but you could elaborate if you'd like. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean – you, there's an argument to say that both teams are, are hot right now, that Buffalo played very well at, at the end of the season, and both quarterbacks playing as well as they, they possibly can be at the moment. I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend. If not, then I think the, the Saints-Bucks game will be. But I I still think this game Saturday night is going to be the best game all weekend. The line right now is at 2.5. I think both teams are going to show up and play really, really well. If you have both hot teams, I still think the Ravens are a bit hotter than, than the Bills are. Then maybe you say it comes down to the coaching. And with John Harbaugh, he's already won a Super Bowl ring. And if it comes to the game management, I think he has the advantage. These two dual threat quarterbacks are going to impress this weekend. They both have a point to prove to get to a AFC championship game for the first time for both of them. So I'm really excited. And as I mentioned, I think the Ravens are going to pull this one out just being uh, a bit of the hotter team and, and playing as well they as they have going in to the playoffs right now and, and what I saw from them last weekend. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you that I think this will be the best game of the weekend, for sure. But moving right along to the Sunday slate of games, the earlier game will be the Browns at the Chiefs. Right now, the the line has the Chiefs minus 10. And unfortunately for Browns fans, I think they'll cover that too. (laughs) But um, I think Kansas City, a lot of people question them resting a couple of guys week 17, considering they had to buy already. So that would give them two weeks off. But I think uh, after this season with everything different with COVID and all that, I think just letting the guys relax and they're home. So they've been at home just enjoying their time with their families and whatnot. I think they're, they'll be uh, focused on the game and they'll be able to perform at the high level that the Chiefs have been able to perform at in years in the past two years. So I definitely think uh, the Chiefs will outperform the Browns. I just don't, like I said earlier on, I don't think the Browns secondary can match up with the Chiefs uh, depth-wise. I'd say even if uh, Denzel Ward is able to come back for the Browns this week, I just don't see their their number two, number three, number four corners being able to stay with the number two, number three, number four wide receivers for the Chiefs. And I think when it comes down to it, I think that'll make the difference in the game. But like I said, I don't think it'll be that close Well, they'll, where there will be one specific thing that makes a difference. So what about you? I can only imagine if the Browns end up actually pulling this game off, what they'll be saying about Patrick Mahomes, unless he does get injured or something, that just from going from last year to this guy's the greatest quarterback to possibly play the game to what the heck just happened to him this, this weekend, I could see it end up happening. I think the Browns are going to have some confidence. And as you said, the line is at 10, and that's that's a lot. So I still think Pat Mahomes comes out and, and plays as he does, as he has already in the playoffs. And this Chiefs team, especially on offense, they're, they'll probably want to get rolling a little bit, not playing in a couple of weeks and resting all their guys in week 17. But I think they'll be ready to go. Playing at home, you're going to have fans there. And I'm, I'm excited to, to see once again what, Mahomes is able to do in the playoffs because last year was a bit of magic. So I'm excited. As you mentioned, I think the the Browns are going to just have to some way be able to stop this offense. I think on on defense uh, for the Chiefs that, that they're vulnerable at spots, and I think the Browns can, can get advantage if Baker comes and, and plays a great game and if Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt can get rolling. But if they don't, I, th- I think it'll be a long game for them. So they're going to have to need everyone to step up. I think even if the Chiefs don't have their best game, that they'll, they could still end up winning this one. But the, the Browns are going to have to have one of their best games this season if, if they want to pull this one off. So I still see the Chiefs coming out with a victory and going back to the AFC Championship game. All right. And bringing us to the last game of the weekend would be the Bucks at the New Orleans Saints. And I know you acknowledged me earlier when – discussing Brady and going against uh, the same team for the third time in a season. And I was uh, regrettably thinking the same thing in my head <laughs> because I, I don't want to acknowledge Tom Brady's greatness at times. I think we've come to learn that, but I, I don't see him losing to the Saints a third time in the same year. I mean, just going back to the last time they played this year when they embarrassed him on Sunday night football on a national stage. Uh, what was it? 38 to three or something. It yeah. Was, it was just an embarrassment to watch. And there was a lot of uh, 
a lot of hype going into that game, uh, just from a fan perspective, knowing that Tom Brady had started to get it going in Tampa and it should be a better game now and we should see what the Brady Breeze matchup would would look like for this year and maybe next year and and possibly. So after that game, especially, I think the amount of knowledge that Tom Brady can gain from uh, a loss like that is is far greater than anything that the Saints could do. So I think I think at least from Tom Brady and the offense's perspective, uh, they'll definitely uh, they won't be the reason the Bucks lose if they do. But I do have confidence in the Bucks more than the Saints, especially after seeing how the Saints played last week against the Bears. So I would definitely say uh, the Bucks definitely cover the minus the plus three, but I think they win over uh, overall. So what about you? I'm I'm the same exact way. I think the Bucks end up actually winning this game, as we talked about several times now. Trying to beat Tom Brady three times in a row was a really hard thing to do. I think with the way New Orleans played this past weekend was a little worrying, um, especially on offense. I think their defense will play well, but Tom Brady, you know how he does his Twitter or Instagram thing after every win they have and just some hype video basically. And he says in the one on Sunday it was because they went on Saturday night that he's like, who do you guys want to see us to play? He goes, I know who I want. So I, I think he's going to be uh, out for revenge, out for blood this weekend. And he's going to show how he probably still has some left in the tank for him to go do his thing and and go back to another Super Bowl. Do Are they going to go back to another Super Bowl? No. I think obviously you and I both think Green Bay will be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. But I think this weekend, just for that fact and the way that the Saints offense played this past weekend – I'm a little worried that the Saints are going to pull this one out and, and the Bucks will end up going back to – or going to the NFC Championship for the first time in a very long time. So it'll be interesting, but I see the Bucks pulling this one out as you do as well. All right. Yeah, I think that would give us uh, an AFC Championship of the Chiefs versus what you believe would be the Ravens and yeah. I be the Bills, and then an NFC Championship of Bucks Packers, which would give us a a Breeze Brady matchup, and then a Rogers Brady matchup in two consecutive weeks, which should be uh, fun to watch. But we'll see how this weekend unfolds. Yeah. And uh, I th- do you have any uh, last thoughts before we wrap up the NFL talk? No, I ju- I just think at at this point in time, we we there's an argument to say that in the beginning of the year, these were the teams that a lot of people probably thought were going to be the last. Um, eight remaining teams you could say maybe the Seahawks or maybe the Steelers being in in the conversation here but I think for the eight teams that are left I think it's the teams that a lot of people probably were expecting uh, to be playing in this weekend so I'm excited for what's going to happen yeah for sure playoff football gotta love it but um, if you want to move on to our last topic we wanted to just uh, touch on a little bit was the uh, NBA talk I know we uh, talked up the Knicks a lot last week, and now they've uh, proceeded to lose their next couple of games by uh, not not a small margin. Uh, I'm pretty sure they've lost their last couple by like 20 plus almost. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, sometimes it's just questionable plays from the coach. Sometimes like plays meaning uh, who he decides to put in and give minutes to. Sorry. But um, I just think overall – they they had a, a good start 
but I feel like I was saying this last week, but I feel like they're just going back to the same old mix that I've come to know. <laughs> and it frustrates me to say because I was really excited when I saw how well they were playing and how, how well these young guys were playing. But I forget which game I was watching, but the, the end of the game, they they just couldn't score a bucket for the lives of them. And that's what I've come to see in the last couple of years watching the Knicks is they'll hang in close for a majority of the game. And then when it gets down to crunch time, they have they don't have that guy that they feel confident in just giving the ball to like a lot of these other teams do. And so it, the the ball movement gets stagnant. The the guys get stagnant themselves. They don't move around. They're not setting screens. They're not running off uh, screens and trying to get open. They're not. They just don't seem enthused on the offensive side of the ball. It seems like, and it's a lot of ISO ball, which it's not good for, especially the Knicks. I mean, yeah. if you if you have a guy like James Harden, yeah, maybe ISO ball works for you, but ISO ball doesn't really work for a lot of guys. So you gotta get that ball movement and get that player movement and and that builds confidence in the the players and I just don't see that for the Knicks especially when it comes into the fourth quarter yeah we me and you hopped on to record a podcast last week right after um the Utah game right before the Oklahoma City game and we watched that Oklahoma City game and I know you and I texted during the game and the the Knicks were just taking some really batch uh shots and just some bad offensive possessions i know at halftime of this game i think the oklahoma city game there we had scored less than 50 points i think the second quarter was pretty abysmal and an oklahoma team that you thought we might have been able to run away with and it was the first time we were the knicks were favored in a game in god knows how long and then they just end up not playing very good basketball shy shy gill played outstanding that game and then you knew then when you're going up against teams that were playing pretty well. Well, Denver wasn't playing pretty well, but for a team as good as Denver is going to the conference finals last year, um, you knew it was going to be a, a tough matchup with the guys that they have on their roster. And then Charlotte, a team that's been playing pretty well. LaMelo, obviously, has been playing great. And Gordon Hayward wanted to have the game of his life the other night, <laughs> scoring 34 points and not missing anything. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you on the off- offensive side of the ball, um, too much ISO and, and not a lot of spacing and trying to get guys into a rhythm and, and getting them open and just some of the shot selection. But I think that's what we're going to have to expect with the team as young as the Knicks are. And when you want to be building those uh, younger guys and developing them, they're going to have to play in a lot, a lot of minutes and play in these games where they're going to make mistakes and at least at this point, we could say that we've seen a couple of the younger guys that, uh, as a fan base, know who they want to be seeing more. And although, as you mentioned, with Thibodeau giving uh, minutes to players like Peyton or Bullock, who haven't been playing necessarily great this season for the Knicks, that you want to be seeing other other roles. But for guys like uh, Quickly, who hasn't played great the past couple of games, but can learn from a lot of this stuff, um, it, it's just... I guess it's more a positive light than, than we've seen of, well, we see what this team can be. They've also had one of the toughest schedules in the NBA so far. Even Austin Rivers came out the other day and said, like, we, we've played the toughest schedule in the NBA. So let's just relax a little bit. Let us get into a groove and, and we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks from now. So I don't think it's, it's panic mode. I think if you were to tell me 
a couple of weeks ago that the Knicks would be uh, five and six at this point, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's that's pretty decent and what I would not have expected. So I, I think they're in a, in a good spot right now, and I'm interested to see if they could break this um, losing streak. They're playing the Nets tonight, so that, I, I don't know if they'll come out with a victory tonight, but they play Cleveland on Friday night, and hopefully we'll, we'll pull out a victory there. Yeah, it's a good segue talking about the Nets. Um, I don't. I figured I could start with the James Harden, uh, at least uh, yeah. leaked rumors uh, about. Um, I mean, him saying in the press conference last night how he he's done everything he can at this point in Houston, and uh, he's made it very clear that he wants to move on from the Rockets. And then John Wall actually clapping back and saying, uh, we're only nine games in. How could you just uh, like jump ship at this point already? But uh, I, I know John Wall, it's his first year there. Uh, James Harden's been there for more than a couple of years now. So I think uh, if he is uh, at peace with this decision, then there's really no one that's going to change his mind, I feel like, at this point. And uh, I just have this tweet up here it says the nets are prepared to include four first round picks and three pick swaps in their offer for james harden via the athletic so that's that's a lot of picks uh i mean <laughs> but we've, seen, we've seen the nets give up plenty of first round picks in the past for uh for aging players but i don't think this would compare to the paul pierce kevin garnett trade uh-huh. whatsoever i'm just just bringing up history nets fans but um well they just yeah, did- i think just to then, no, I, I was just going to say, Andrew, then there's also been reports from Mark Stein saying that the um, Rockets have been in talk with the Sixers and they're asking for Ben Simmons Tyreek, and Tyrese Maxey in a package for James Harden, but that they're also asking for Matisse Thibault. So it would be Simmons, Maxey, and Thibault that the, the Rockets are looking for. So they're obviously looking for a huge haul. And then... DeMarcus Cousins came out uh, just in the past half hour or so saying his interest to join the Rockets was to play with John Wall and that James Harden's disrespect started in training camp, not just in yesterday's comments, and that he says he doesn't care if James Harden ever plays for the Rockets again. So there's obviously going to be, if this situation drags on any longer than it is, it it could get pretty ugly. Um, So I know the, the Rockets and the report with the Athletics saying that they're really trying to or Mark Stein said that they're increasingly determined to get a James Harden trade done today. So we'll see even after we finish up with this podcast of, of what happens if he goes to the Nets, if he goes to the Sixers and what the package looks like. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be a haul, like you said, wherever he ends up going. Because after hearing comments like that from Boogie Cousins, I it seems like Harden's uh, time in Houston is, is definitely come to an end. It's just a matter of when at this point he gets traded. And then if for our last little piece of NBA talk, if with the whole Kyrie situation, I don't know how you feel. Stephen A. Smith came out this morning and on Twitter, everyone was going a little nuts of him saying that he thinks Kyrie should should retire immediately, which seems pretty crazy to, to go out and, yeah, and say that. He obviously has not played since last week um, with everyone has been hearing of that he was pretty affected by what happened at the Capitol last Wednesday and last night he was spotted on a on a zoom event with uh, a progressive justice reform district attorney and Cynthia Nixon 
Um, so I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Kyrie. He, the Nets don't know when he's going to come back. It's a little worrying. And I think they, they had to expect this, though, with a guy as flamboyant as Kyrie is. You have to know. Um, KD is like that as well, but KD is obviously the, the quiet guy in, in this whole relationship. And just to put it out there, the fact that KD hasn't played basketball in 18 months is, and is second in points per game right now in the NBA is is spectacular. And to mm-hmm. watch him tonight against the the Knicks, I'm, I'm excited to watch that game. But just to throw that out there, that KD is, is still KD, and it's it's awesome to see that he hasn't really lost a step yet. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm very glad he was able to come back fully healthy after what happened to him in Golden State. Um, but back to the Kyrie situation, uh, like you said, they the Nets had to know what they were getting themselves into. It's uh, Kyrie has always been a wild card in my opinion, and you never know what to expect from him. Uh, so seeing seeing how he acted even uh, in Cleveland, uh, it was just. A lot of the times he was, he would just do very questionable things, and it's obviously whatever he wants to do. It's his life, but like I said to you off air, I I think he forgets sometimes that he's he's on a, a millions of dollars contract to play basketball for a team. Like he he acts like like Dennis Rodman did back in the days with the the uh bulls at times where he just leaves the team and just focuses on his own life and i i understand that but there there comes a point where you have to like commit to the team and i i'd have to think that some of his teammates even question some of the things he does at this point but well we don't know that at this point i totally agree i was just thinking what his own teammates and coaches and management all think of of this situation i'm pretty sure i saw stat this morning he's only played about 23 or 26 games for the nets and missed out on 57 or some number like that so he's missed a lot of games both injury and from personal reasons i guess uh there's also people who have come out and said that Kyrie's the type of guy who could literally wake up one morning and say all right i'm done playing basketball like this is it Uh, i'm i'm over with it so uh, this situation might get a little crazy as well. There's always drama in the NBA, and I think that's why people love it so much besides just the basketball point of it. So maybe even by next week, we might have we might have uh, James Harden in a different spot closer to us in, in New York, or we could even be seeing Kyrie never playing basketball again. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that's what the NBA provides for us all the time. Yeah, definitely. An entertaining league for sure. For sure. All right. Well, I think that does it for, for you and I, Andrew. We, we talked about uh, basically everything that's been going on in, in the past week or so. I'm excited to see the NFL playoffs. I know you are as well this weekend getting to see Green Bay Packers playing this weekend. So um, any any final final thoughts or final remarks? No, I'm, I'm just, like you said, very excited to see uh, some more playoff football this week and to get to see my boys play. Uh, hopefully we uh, we come out and show the, the rest of the league that we're not just a, a laughing stock. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we, we prove that we earned that number one seed because a, uh, a lot of experts were questioning our schedule throughout the year. But like I said to you countless times, you can't control who you play. 
just gotta just gotta play the games so we'll see that game and all the other games this weekend and uh hopefully the knicks can get back on track against the nets if not i just hope to see some uh, promising signs of growth from them so that's really my final thoughts that indeed feel the same way so that'll wrap us up for Angela Zara, I am Liam Tormey. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week with Two Falcons, One Hour. Have a good week.